What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 25 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by Noise.co.uk. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I am joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you? You know, it's a pleasure to be back on here again, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. Final episode, well, final normal episode of the year. Uh, what a year it's been, man, yeah. Oh, incredible for music. There's been... Obviously, we're looking at our albums of the year and all that sort of stuff. Just having a refresh and some of the music that we've heard and spoken about over the last 11 months or so is is really phenomenal. It's been a terrific year for alternative music. It really has. wanted to take a moment to just plan out, again, what we're doing. Um, for people who are listening, might think, last show of the year and it's only in the middle of November. What's going on here? Um, so, basically, we will be taking um, Christmas off, however. Um, so, this will be our last quote-unquote normal show but our final show of the year is going to be our album of the year show which will be filmed with me and Sam heading down to Cardiff early December uh, to film it Jack who is the owner of Noise is going to be on there as well we'll do our top five albums of the year filmed and that'll be the last show of the year Um, and I want to thank everyone who's uh, even listen to us once and never listen to us again because I thought, God, these two are fucking <laughs> assholes. Um, it's, you know, I, I've really enjoyed doing this again. I wasn't sure whether me and you would ever do a podcasting again, but I have um, loved this last year. It's been absolutely wicked, man. So for anyone who's listened, whether it's been on Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, uh, where Apple Music, wherever you found us, um, we really, really appreciate every single listen. It means a lot to us. Uh, and it keeps us going yeah. as well, man. Uh, thanks for all the subscriptions on YouTube and looking forward to uh, another impressive 2020 where we continue moving up uh, the milestones. 100%. Up on noise.co.uk at the moment is my live review on the Never Say Die Tour, which I'm going to speak about relatively briefly on this show. But if you want to see my full thoughts, it's live on noise.co.uk at the moment. And we've got album reviews on Raised Fist and Golden Core. Uh, on this episode... Going to select two items out of the news that I think will be interesting discussions with Sam. Uh, as I briefly mentioned, just I'm going to uh, talk about Never Say Die Tour. I went to see Vale of Maya and Attila uh, on Saturday, just gone. We're going to do the final initiation of Sam's Greatest of All Time list for this year before we start back on it again next year. And this uh, week's album review is a Sleep Token Sundowny. Um, the one of the very rare albums where I've actually already spoke to Sam about it because I just couldn't wait to discuss it with him. But um, hearing your details and thoughts in full will be uh, beyond fascinating, I think. Agreed. Can't wait. Um, just to mention as well, actually, I, I mentioned it when we were talking about uh, the thanking of uh, every listener. But uh, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts if you are uh, looking for and wondering if there's any other services that we are available on. We're going to crack straight into the news. Uh, Sam Motley Crew are back. Yay! Uh, <laughs> um, they somewhat announced their live return with a video of them blowing up the contract that they signed in 2014 that would have stopped them from touring again. Uh, they're rumoured to go be. <laughs> the <laughs> the rumour is that they'll be on tour with Def Leppard and Poison. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get straight in there to the meat of this, Sam. Is there a show? that you think you would like to attend less than Def Leppard, Motley Crue and Poison? Um, probably a Coldplay, Radiohead co-headline set. And that really um, shit punk band that your dad likes. Oh, and The Fall, yeah. <laughs> um, if all three of those were playing my back garden, I think I'd shut the curtains. 
<laughs> to be quite honest. This is bad, um, isn't it now, Sam, with Motley Crue? I mean, what on earth now? Come if you, on. If, if your record label and promoters made you sign a contract to never tour again, I wouldn't take that as a compliment and an indication that you should, in fact, tour again. <laughs> it, it just, overall, it, it's just dreadful. Um, this is the... the as 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 any any tour ever screamed, we've run out of money more than Motley Crue, Poison, and Def Leppard. Do you think they have though? Because they're all millionaires. Maybe not Poison so much, but Motley Crue and Def Leppard most certainly. Do you really think? You'd think this is so, just, wouldn't you? Do you think this is like? Okay, so obviously. Money is a determining factor in most things in life. No matter what the yeah. industry is, money is usually a determining factor. But yeah. do you think this is just Motley Crue being like, hmm, fancy another few million, or, oh shit, we need a few million? I think it's definitely the former. The thing that shocks me the most, it was a fucking petition. <laughs> it, was a, it was an organised petition, like, put about to, to sign these, to bring these back. It's like, what, what on earth? Who's what? signing this? I'm sorry. <laughs> What Motley Crue fans have not had li- opportunities, and the thing is as well, it's they posted the, a little statement on the website, like following the interest uh, that have been raised from the Dirt documentary, and it's like no one walks away from that documentary thinking, "Oh, they sound like a great band." There's just, there's just like three minutes of music in that video, in that documentary, and I've I've spoken ad nauseum on how terrible I think the overall thing is anyway. Yeah. Um, on one of our previous podcasts, but. Do fans legitimately expect them to be like transported back into 1988 with this? This is like this is gonna be the most, the most fat, bloated, um, tired renegs of like shitty hair metal for like three and a half hours, and they're gonna charge you like a hundred quid to see this. It's 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 fucking it's a shambles. But the thing is, is it, it is. The thing is, it'll probably be sold out as well. But like, like Motley Crue are not good. They're not. They, they, they there was an argument you could have made in like nineteen eighty eight that they were an important metal band, and they're they're on this list. And there's a couple of albums on the greatest of all time metal albums list, and and they have had some impact and made some real waves. But not thirty one fucking years later, like, like this is this is just ridiculous. Um, they're gonna sound horrendous. Yeah, this, this is there'll be videos of this on YouTube for for months to come. When, the, when yeah, if this does happen, because it's important to mention that it hasn't actually been formally announced yet. It's just severely rumored, which usually means it's going to be announced any day now. But you know, just to cover ourselves, as we speak right now, nineteenth of November, it hasn't actually been announced yet, but it probably will be. Yeah, and, and but, yeah. So from a musical standpoint, this is this is just horrendous, but. Like, like, like we said, if there's a market for it, good for them, whatever. Uh, but this is this is going to sound like really bad karaoke, like sort of like when a wedding and Bon Jovi comes on and your dad gets up and sings. It's gonna it's gonna have that sort of vibe to it. Yeah, the the I can't see this going well in for any reason other than uh, monetarily. Um, yeah. slightly interesting. Machine Gun Kelly, who played Tommy Lee in the do- in the Netflix documentary was interviewed about this and he said of he course said, in the years since and he meant that he meant they're retiring so in the years since they retired motley crew became more popular than ever i'm just gonna stop this right there right that's a fucking massive indicator isn't it <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna stop this right there um 
where's your evidence, please, for that? <laughs> because I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry, I'm going to need to Kelly see. at home looks at look, Motley Crue's Spotify listens and writes them down on a day-by-day basis. I'm sorry, mate, but I, I don't believe that for a single solitary second that Motley Crue became more popular than ever. And the reason why I don't believe that is Well, because... you clearly have a look at Machine Gun Kelly's pie charts that argue, <laughs> <laughs> that argue the opposite. The reason why I believe that is because I have looked through the um, the comment sections on pages, and I usually, you know, you really regret looking at those sections. But yeah, just they'll make you a worse person. Really, just for they? my interest, I thought, let's just have a look. And there were a lot of people, and they're being like, holy shit, that last show on... on the, they played the last show on December 31st, I think, 2015, and a lot of the discussion was holy shit it was terrible i can't believe i paid actual funds for it it was awful that kind of stuff um so i don't believe that there's been any clamoring for motley crew um to come to come back in terms of new fans old fans because nostalgia is one of the biggest forces of human nature but new fans i don't believe so i don't think there's any like 21 year old kid who's just getting into metal that's like oh my god i found this band called motley crew oh shit they've been retired for four years i need them back in my life absolutely not man because metal's just moved so far forward from the hair metal days um he goes on (laughs) he goes on to say um more popular and gained an entirely new legion of fans who along with diehard crew heads hate that demanded the band tear up that stupid contract and come out of retirement. They knew that if they were ever going to stand on stage together again, that contract would have to be destroyed. Well, destruction has never been an issue for Motley Crue. Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly, retire. Mate, that is awful, isn't it? Is he forgotten that he's not in Motley Crue as well? Um, Additionally, what would really be funny would be, um, say, like today's Tuesday... Wednesday, Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard announced tour. Thursday, uh, contract files lawsuit against Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah, that's going to uh, be on one of their Friday, news. Friday, Motley Crue rescind tour announcement. Apologise. Machine Gun Kelly sadly retreats the pie charts. And it's just all over within a matter of days. Yeah, this is this is bad. I can't see this going well for any reason other than it's going to line the pockets of some sixty-year-old guys for another few couple of years. Uh, I saw Def Leppard at Download last year. I've spoken about it. It was absolutely shite. Even as someone that like, I, I knew I wasn't going to enjoy, it, but I did think, let me just roll the dice. Let me just see if they grab me. Oh. And it was just shite. It really wasn't good at all. Are you ready for Motley Crue Download twenty twenty one? Do not. Do I'm not, telling Sam. you, bro. Do not, Sam. He can't. Copping can't. He... <laughs> oh, I think you find he oh, can. Oh, he cannot. Um, <laughs> he cannot, surely. No. Um, I'd put money so, on it right now. So, yeah, it hasn't been announced. Motley Crue are most likely going to be on this stadium tour with Def Leppard and Poison. Uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, wicked. I cannot think of anything worse. Seriously, my goodness. Honestly, it's going to be dreadful. <clears throat> girls, 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 sung by a near 60-year-old man. It, girls, no. girls, <laughs> girls. <laughs> it finishes the word though. Yeah. Right, okay. So moving on to something that I hope we were a bit more positive about. Um, there's been a load of new bands announced for download. Mm-hmm. We spoke, well, I spoke for a hell of a long time when the download announcement was for, was first, you know, released. When it was the headliners and people were on about the recycling yes. and it's parallel share... podcasts where you're still speaking on that yeah, issue. I, I 
<laughs> I said my piece on that. I, I will branch back into it in small pieces throughout this because mm. I do think it's still relevant, but I'm not going to go as... You'll be pleased and I'm not going to go as far <laughs> in. Um, so, uh, already on the uh, previously confirmed was the likes of Iron Maiden, Kiss, System of a Down, Corn, Deftones, Offspring, Disturbed, Kajira, Ailstorm, Black Veil Brides of Mice and Men and Daughtry. Uh, and yesterday, although by the time this was released two days ago, uh, Volbeat, Kills to Engage, Bad Metal, Pretty Reckless, Airborne, Skillet. I, I, I did laugh when I saw Skillet. Baroness, Lit, Bush, Wednesday 13, British Lion, Electric Wizard, Periphery, <laughs> Obituary, Pup, Dying Fetus, Bleed from Within, Deadline. When you read all these out, Stone a, lit, a Lit and Bush two separate bands? Yeah, Lit, lit comma, Bush, comma, Wednesday 13, <laughs> comma, British okay. Lion. Okay, <laughs> that's what to make sure. Uh, lit Bush, fantastic. <laughs> As well as that, you've got the Wild Hearts, Blues Pills, Puppy, Sick Band, uh, P.O.D., Wayward Songs, Wargasm, Dead Palsy, Blackout Problems, Tiny Moving Parts, Celador, Moon Crow, uh, Chelsea Green, Lavacy, (laughs) Celador, Moon Crow, that wasn't, there was no commas there. You say that three times, a wizard appears in the back of your fucking kitchen. (laughs) Chelsea Green, Lavacy, and Mariana's Trench. Powerwolf, Theory, The Last International, Bacasa, and Uncured. Um, I think I made a mistake reading all these out in sequence. <laughs> no, However, no, I think it was very effective, actually. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> However, pick out the ones that I think are worth mentioning of. Killstring Gage, we saw them, what, a couple of weeks ago? We said how great it was. Them, yes. I was, by the looks of how their font is put in, I assume they'll be headlining the second stage. Uh, can't, obviously I don't know but that's just the way it looks to me uh, which I think would be great and I think they'd pull in a good crowd and I think they'd probably play and finish just before Iron Maiden start so I think they'd have an absolute swarm of people I think that'd be great uh, Volbeat are meant to be superb live I've never actually listened to Volbeat we've got a mate called Jim who like is obsessed with them but I've never actually like really dug into them I don't, I don't trust that as a recommendation to be fair <laughs> <laughs> sorry Jim if, you, if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, 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 lo- I, lo- I love him to bits, but I'm just not sure what I'm prepared to listen to by, by selecting Volbeat. But I'll, I'll give him a go with you, mate. Um, Airborne, they've recently released a new album, and apparently it's not an absolute disgrace to humanity, which I am surprised wow. by, actually. Cause they're You're like... lucky. You're lucky went in. Well, they're as classic rock as it gets, aren't they? <laughs> Airborne. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I remember uh... trying to talk my dad into listening to him once, and he was like, what did they sound like? I was like, you'd love them, Dad. That sounded exactly like ACDC. And he was like, so why don't I just listen to ACDC? And, like, and I've right, just been you, unable to answer that question for like a decade. <laughs> Although, to be fair, they are quite open and they're like, ACDC is sick. So we were like, let's sound like ACDC. So fair enough, man. Yeah. Um, are a sick band. Periphery are a superb band. Bleed mm. From Within are a great band as well. And then you've got Chelsea Green, sick metalcore band, Lotus Eater as well, and Tiny Moving Parts, who are, are, are um, a really good band as well. Um, although recently they've been covered in some controversy, which we won't go into, but I'm not quite sure how that's going to play it for them. Regardless, I think I mentioned to you before when we were when the first section of the lineup was announced, I was like, download is usually made by the smaller bands that get announced and there's a much more exciting list of bands here than what was previously announced. Mate, I want to see Periphery in, in a tent at download. 
Because yeah, that, that's going to be experience, experience. I think that'd be great. I love the fact that Lauta Sita are there. Um, put them on all the stages. Do you know what I mean? Get uh, get them in front of as many people as you can. Because uh, I do think they've got a chance of doing something really special. Uh, Puppy, me and you really liked their last album. Yep. Um, Baroness are a sick band who I think could do with. One of the problems with download is like, where do you put people? Because like. Baroness are a great band, but like putting them on the main stage, the same would get a bit lost. It's a bit like you know when we saw Cancer Bats at Bloodstock. Yeah, I they saw, need to be in a tent. Man, I saw Cancer Bats at two thousand trees. Two thousand trees. It was absolutely wild. It was like one of the most intense experiences I've ever had with live music. At Bloodstock, it was just uh, a whistle in the wind. It was just yeah. like man. I mean, to be fair, the sound engineer wasn't having a great time. The wind wasn't great either. But like, That's I remember, I remember turning to you, I was like, "Mate, it's just shit in it." And you were like, "Yeah, it's not great at all." Um, mm-hmm. but how about you, man? Any, any? Not, I'm, I'm not expecting you to say, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to get a ticket now." But like. Any more excitement towards this in terms? Yeah, of I, 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 absolutely. I think I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, that, like you, you, you hit the nail on the head. The download is built in its variety, isn't it? And that's why it's the king of metal festival because really, there's like 50 bands on. So if you don't like the three big ones, it's not going to be a justification to not go if you're into the into the genre. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's lots there's lots there to go for. I agree with you. Um, I think Periphery is a fantastic addition. Have they played a UK festival before? I don't think... I haven't known that they have. Well, certainly not recently, in the last two or three years, that we would have been paying attention to them. So, so that's going to be a special treat. They need to be indoors, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, please don't put them on the main... I can't uh, don't, see them being on the main stage, but please don't. Not, not that they don't, they don't have the requisite talent to play there. It's just... Man, like, you do not... The, the chance to see Periphery in a small venue is an experience me and you have both shared, and it's something that... I would like of other people to have also experienced because it's just marvellous. Um, but yeah, Kill Switch into Kill Switch to Iron Maiden. It's it's a rehash of their Twickenham show. Um, when when Kill Switch opened for Maiden before, so I've got no doubt that it works. They're a lovely complement to each other. Yeah, and I think that, I think that's really really good. I agree with you with Puppy. I think there's loads of bands here that 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 commit the length and breadth of metal. I would like to see a few more. I'm sure this will fill out, but a few more like sort of the more modern post-hardcore type bands that me and you have have had some superb albums from this year. Yeah, you know, like Strive from the Path or Counterparts. Strive for the Path, bit of Gideon Counterparts, um, even like a Knock Loose. You know, they need to be on download, yeah, don't they? Man, like, I thought Knock Loose would be a shoe in for Malevolence, Malevolence, Malevolence knocking around as well. They'd be a pr- Malevolence. You could put anywhere. They're just going to beat the shit out of each other. Like, yeah. I want to see some of those bands get in the show. But that being said, that's my genre bias. And you yeah. know what? Probably thousands of people around the country that are like, oh, I'm really happy that X band are playing. You know, like Celadon, what, what's his face? Like, I'm sure people are buzzing to, like, you know, dance in the trees and listen to whatever they're sort of going to be putting together. Celadon, what's his face? <laughs> <laughs> what's the second word of that again? Celadon what? Celador Mooncrow. Celador Mooncrow. There we go. It sounds like... um. The name of the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in one of the Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter series. It might actually be them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if there's, you know what I mean? Like, they don't have to cater to me to make it a good festival. And if you're, and download attracts 80,000, 90,000 people, of which 2.5% are like me and you. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair. Do you know what I mean? So ninety-seven point seven five percent like, oh, buzzing to see this band, and that's cool, and that's a tough job to do. You have got to hire two hundred bands and catch as many as possible. So again, the festival's made up of its requisite parts, and I think it's done a good job of filling out the roster thus far. Just before we move on, I've seen comments from people saying Gajira should be headlining. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> they should not be headlining. Gajira, no, Gajira are a superb band, but their last UK tour was an academy tour, which didn't even sell out. They absolutely should not be headlining Download. There is no evidence that putting Gajira in a headline spot at Download would result in any more than 5,000 people turning up on the main stage. And if 5,000 people turn up to see the headliner, that looks disastrous. On pictures on social media, on I'm videos telling. on Sky Arts, it's a disaster. It cannot be done. Gajira are superb. And I, if you said to me you can see Gajira or Iron Maiden, I would pick Gajira 100 times out of 100. But, Whoa. but they can but they in terms of my personal preference man you know I'm not okay. massive on the classic metal yeah stuff. fair enough fair um, enough fair enough fair enough so uh, for me um, the concept of Gajira should be headlining musically yeah probably but like in terms of the size of the fan base absolutely not the idea that Gajira headline download is just absurd um, if, yeah, um, if download was in France Gajira wouldn't be suitable yeah, probably not. Where, where Gajira are from. Yeah, probably not. Um, the one thing... I, Gajira headline Bloodstock, right. So, this is one thing I'm worried about with Parkway Drive. Because Parkway Drive, the headline Bloodstock, it, it feels like they, they might just get there. But the jump from headlining <clears throat> Bloodstock to headlining Download Massive. is absolutely monolithic. It yes. is huge. It's like Championship 2 winning the Premier League title. Massive. It's going from guaranteeing that 15,000 people will turn up to guaranteeing that 60,000 will turn up. And that is a... It's an incredibly tall order. And that is why, um, I said it again, download recycled headliners because Copping's got very little evidence that any new headliners would take to it. So... Yeah. Uh, Kajira, amazing band. Anyone thinking they should headline? I'm sorry, no, they shouldn't. Um, but um, the idea on the Sunday of Corn going straight into System of a Down, I'm into. Um, and, yes. And the idea of Killswitch Engage going straight into Maiden, I'm into. Because I'd turn up to Maiden just to see, just just so I can say I've seen them, but I can't say I'd uh, I'd be massively <laughs> looking forward to it. So um, we're going to move on to some live reviews. I won't uh, speak too much about this Never Say Die tour because I've actually just put my uh, written review up on Noise. Um, so I'm, I'm only going to speak about a couple of bands that I really wanted to mention from there. Sam, do you remember when we saw In Heart's Way uh, support While She Sleeps? I do, it was fantastic. They were really great and we said, we, we, we were talking at the time and we were like, because there wasn't like a, a massively full room if you remember. There were, no, main, yeah. there were main support, but really there was a massive influx of people literally the second they played the last note. And we were like, man, that's kind of shit for them because they're actually like a, quite a good band and mm-hmm. they've played, you know, that was really good set and they've got a good strong catalogue of metalcore music, which seems to like suit, would, would suit your modern metalcore fan down to the ground, but it just didn't seem like people would really caught on. Um, in this scenario, they sub-headlined here, uh, and in this scenario... Uh, mate, it was absolutely ramo for them, and they were really superb. They were fantastic. They finished on That's Refuge. Interesting. Oh, true. Finished on Refuge, which is just an absolute banger. Um, 
the melodic vocalist whose name escapes me, Evan, Evan Hall, I think his name is, um, he wasn't on his best form, um, but the band in general were absolutely superb, and it was really wild for them, man. Um, <laughs> I, it caught me off guard, to be honest, because when I saw the lineup and I saw that uh, Inarch Wake were playing, I was like, mm, uh, they kind of seem to have been under the radar for a long time now. Now, obviously, mm. bands usually go away, write albums and that kind of thing, but it seemed like they've been under the radar for like a, a really long time, but came back here, sub-headlined, absolutely brilliant. Um, I wanted to make a mention as well for King810, who were really randomly thrown into this lineup, and it really surprised me when I saw the lineup and, and King810 run. So I'm going to read you the list of bands here. Great American Ghost, Alpha Wolf, Polar, uh, Hello Our Home, uh, King 810, In Hearts White, Crystal Lake. King 810 sent absolutely nothing like any of those bands. Um, At that, all. Those bands are all either like deathcore, <laughs> metalcore, or hardcore. Uh, and King 810 are like like American heavy metal poetry. Like, it's difficult to truly describe what they're like. They are very much a Marmite band, aren't they? It, 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 I don't think I've ever met someone who's like they're alright people either love them or like no it's not for me yeah and I, and I feel both ways <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love their early stuff and hate the new stuff what was it like experience was because like, you hear their early albums and you're like this would be wild live their vocalist uh, David Gunn I have never seen a human being be able to do what he can do with a microphone he was <sighs> He has such a vocal control over his voice that he was like doing lots of certain gesticulations and moving around with his body and still maintaining this kind of vocal power that just shouldn't be possible to the point where uh, Kelsall, the lad I was with, our friend, turned mm. to me and said, there's no way he's singing live. This has been pre-recorded. There's, he cannot possibly be doing be sounding like that while his body is moving in that way because it just doesn't it just didn't seem like you would be able to create the same vocal power that he was giving out whilst doing this kind of real life body morphing uh, like gesticulations um but supposedly oh. uh, another lad that we were with was like oh no he is like he's that good like he like people have asked him about this and they've asked the band about it before and like no he's live he's just that amazing he's done uh, he's got a level of control over his vocals that i've literally never seen from a vocalist before in my life uh, that didn't mean that i was all in on them because the, the king 810 aren't really for me um but alpha and omega sounded absolutely massive live and so did kill them all but I just wanted to make mention for their vocalist uh, because it was I, I was astounded at how he was still being able to hit these certain notes while his body was in what these was, really weird positions. What was their set like? So um, they played a few songs that either I have forgotten because we reviewed their second album on Soundcheck, which was like two and a half, three years ago, and I never went back to it. Yeah. Uh, or, or songs that they've just released and I didn't know about. Um they played um, Alpha and Omega uh, like in the middle of the set, and they finished on Kill 'Em All, which I, I, I just assumed they would finish on Alpha and Omega because that was like that's like their patented song, really, isn't it? Like if you ask me, oh, what song shall I listen to? King Eight Ten and see if I like them. I just point you towards Alpha and Omega, um, and they played Heavy Lies the Crown as well, uh, which. Um, which set which was, was as intense as you would imagine, um, but it was it was perfectly fine. Like it just it wasn't for me. But their vocalist mate absolutely blew me away. Uh, 
Alpha Wolf, a band that I really, really like. Um, they were fucking ravenous. They were. They were only second on the stage, but they just hit you with this thirty minutes of absolute like carnage. You are aware that I'm a massive fan of a band called Dealer. So, uh, Dealer, their vocalist, is the former Alpha Wolf vocalist, uh, and this new vocalist that's coming to Alpha Wolf, um, he some somehow they've stumbled across this vocalist that is also Australian and also fits their mould absolutely perfectly. They had this really tight, punishing, like a blowtorch of a set, and for a band that were like second on on a festival of seven bands, the crowd were eating them up, man. It was pretty wild. and that It was one of those things where you you watch this band that are, like, young and got bags of potential, and you watch them control the crowd as far overseas as England is to them, and you think to yourself, they've got a great chance of doing something really special. There's never a guarantee, but when you add the, when you add the two and two together, you can only assume it makes four, uh, and in this case... I'd imagine Alpha Wolf, that next album that they released, because they released that EP Fault this year, which I've gone back and listened to, because me and you were like, yeah, it's fine. But I've gone back and listened to it, and I'm actually much more into it now. But their next album, I feel like it's going to be a massive deal for them. If they can spin this this really like punishing level of deathcore, the way that they add hardcore elements in as well, could be um, could be something special. But the main, oh, band I, the main band that I wanted to talk about was the headline band Crystal Lake. Uh, they're a band from Japan. Uh, they had an album out this year, that, and, and I wasn't familiar with them before this before this tour. I listened to them a few days prior to going, so I had a roundabout idea of familiarity when they were playing certain songs, and I was like, oh my god, this band are actually really good. I'm surprised me and you never actually dived in. But, so they were headlining, and it's all, you know, we've already had like six metalcore bands on. Um... <laughs> So when you think like the headline band is also a metalcore band, you're thinking, right, Oof. here we go, another 45 minutes of this. As good as In Heart's Wake were, as good as Alpha Wolf were, you're thinking to yourself, right, another band that aren't massively different to what I've heard before. How wrong what, how wrong I was, mate. The, their first song hadn't even played a note yet, and the vocalist ran across the stage and dived straight into the crowd. As the fir- as the first note is played, he's, he's he's singing like inside the crowd while he's being crowd surfed. He's like <laughs> the crowd are like moshing around him, and I was like, "This is absolutely wild." It was fucking mental. The sound engineer was one of the best sound engineers I've ever heard in my life. Um, they, it was quite clear that they brought their own sound engineer there because as soon as In Heart's Wake finished, the guy at the sound desk just left, <laughs> and this another this another guy just turns up. Um, but oh my god it was mate it was absolutely wild they're like they're the first Asian band to headline Impericon and what a way for Impericon to roll the dice on them because they were absolutely it was vicious there was the electro elements that are in the new album sounded really great live and their vocalist uh, Royo Kinoshita his name is he was just unbelievably enigmatic front man that suited this style absolutely perfectly it was this this really great example of like this band that i wasn't really massively familiar with that come in and just kick my jaw off and i just didn't see it coming at all they were absolutely brilliant i, I recommend anyone that's into like metalcore to listen to um their latest album it's called felix it was out earlier this year it's felix helix <laughs> thinking of a cat <laughs> yeah it was called Felix the Cat Food um, Helix it was out earlier this year 
Uh, really, really awesome, man. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, something I didn't love, Sam, oh, was yeah. I went to see Attila and Violet of Maya on Saturday. Um, you didn't You didn't love that? I loved Violet of Maya. Violet of Maya, <laughs> were, Violet of Maya were absolutely phenomenal. They very much like Periphery in several ways. They have this control over their music where they add in all these technical elements that you think how have they possibly done this while sounding so brutal some of the guitar lines are just absolutely like literally mind-blowing i remember i was talking to you about about a band called animals as leaders before and i sat you were sat in my room and i, I played you some of their songs yeah, and i was really like cool. i was like do you know they ain't got a bassist and you were like what and i was like <laughs> i was like the the guy the, the guitarist toes in the bar say he he's got a nine string he, he tunes the top two strings to bass and the rest is just normal guitar um, drops. And you're like, there's no way. So I showed you videos and then you're like, this is absolutely mental. And I never known, I never knew this with Violet of Maya before. They've got a guitarist that does exactly the same thing. And honestly, Sam, it is spellbinding to watch live. It Violet of Maya are just such an underrated band. And their vocalist... Do you remember when, like, we saw the uh, artist murder at Bloodstock? And we were like, man, CJ's, like, effortless with this. Yes. Like, he, he, these vocals aren't a problem for him. He's just standing at the mic, just doing it. He's not, like, really forcing them out of him. It's exactly the same thing for Viola of Myers' vocalist, whose name escapes me. It, they were absolutely astonishing. They played, they finished on Mikasa, which is one of my uh, favourite songs that they've done. Chorus said it absolutely massive. The crowd were very much. It was just because Violet of Mary and Attila literally couldn't be two more separate whilst within the same realm of music. Like they're both theoretically metal bands, but Violet of Maya are completely different ends of the metal spectrum to Attila. Because Attila, we'll get to that. <laughs> but. <laughs> There wasn't, like... There was a lot of just standing in awe of Vile of May instead of actual, like, crowd participation. And also, because there was a club night on at, like, 10 o'clock, you could tell that the bands had been really rushed through everything. They were like, you can't talk to the crowd. You're going to have to just go on, play your music and come off because we've got a club night to start at 10. So there wasn't a lot of crowd participation. However, that didn't, that didn't need to be. They were, like, unbelievably solid. And... If you're if you're listening to this and you're into periphery, listen to Vile of Maya. They are like a somewhat heavier version, but in some cases with even better choruses. They are fucking superb. I loved seeing them. I didn't love seeing Attila, Sam. Tell me about how that was. <sighs> right, okay. Because um, they're a bit of a joke as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's... Man. <laughs> oh, God. Just communicating noises, to be fair, is actually one of the better reviews you could have given for an Attila live show. It's just, ah. Oh. I mean, they packed out the room. It was, it was, yeah. it was nigh on sold out. Yeah. There was riffs. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the thing there right, was riffs, right? So metal, a story. <laughs> so. Musically, Attila don't actually bother me that much because there are there are some 
songs, which you cannot deny, the breakdown bangs. And yeah. some some of the riffs are really, like, crunchy and heavy. And you can't help but, like, pull a dirty face and nod your head along to me. It, it's, it's inescapable. But lyrically and sometimes vocally in general, this band really aren't good, man, at all. Like, so... There was this moment, Sam, where between songs, Franz, the front man, he was like, put your V's up in the air. So people like put their two fingers up in the air and separate them. Obviously to symbol an A. And he was like, now scissor the person's V's next to you. Oh right. my God. So literally there are people there like scissoring each other's like V, v symbol. Did you scissor a V? I, heads up. I, I wanted to take scissors and gouge my throat with them, Sam. How did before. it compare to the face mushing? So the V scissoring and face mushing is quite a, um, a contemplative list. It, yeah. Um, there was also a moment where he said, "No one's throwing, <laughs> no one's throwing any bras on stage tonight. People in the US always throw bras at us. What's up with you?" Um, and I just thought, man, do you read social media? Yeah, there's like, only self-awareness at I all. Was, I was like, man, we are, like, like way past this. It, it, mate, it, it dropped like a lead balloon as well. Like, you could tell everyone was like, oh, dude, nah, not anymore. We're way past that now. We've, we've completely moved on. And I know that Attila's thing is supposed to be... Uh, very naive, and it's it, you know it's it's a laugh surrounded by like it's, really it's, heavy breakdowns. It's metal for like fifteen year olds. It's metal for fifteen year olds, but there wasn't many fifteen year olds there, Sam. I can tell you there was quite an uh, there was quite an adult, <laughs> quite an adult. Um, oh, that's And I was just watching this man, and I thought, man, this ain't good. And a lot a lot of Attila's problem is that. They've got these really heavy, heavy, nasty, like, eye-gouging breakdowns. And then, out of nowhere, Franz will be like, yeah, everybody say hell yeah. Like, and that's not, like, him, like, um, just adding, uh, like, adding moments. Yeah, that's the, the lyric of the song. To, that's the lyric of the song, is everybody <laughs> say hell yeah. <laughs> Like it's he's like, fucking Kid Rock or something. Yeah, like, it's in between, it's, gum, like, this really, like, brutalising like low tune riff and then you got everybody say hell yeah like as the as the actual lyrics wasn't improvising that was oh, the, the lyrics unbelievable and, man, pantera was, wouldn't have even written that in the mid 90s <laughs> and i was and like it, nothing flowed that they've got this song sam that's called <laughs> pete that's called pete so do you do you remember it sam <laughs> I don't think I do. Oh. I've spent a lot of my time trying to ignore them. Right. There's this song they've got called Pizza, which they released, I think it was early last year. Right it's when the, the... Right when the... You know, the whole meme fest about pineapples, whether they go on pizza or not. Oh, good Lord, that was dedicated to a song! Wait. <laughs> okay. They finished on a song. It went quiet. They went off. And then the crowd, because I'm aware, I was aware of this song previously, and the crowd started chanting pizza. And I turned to Kelsel and I said, "Do you really think they're going to come out and play this?" He was like, "Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna do it, aren't they?" 
He came out with a pizza box. (laughs) And then what happened, Chris? He went back again and got a pineapple. And then what happened? The start of the song (laughs) came over the PA. Yeah. He got the pineapple Uh and threw it on the floor and then threw it into the crowd. Followed by throwing the pizza into the crowd. And I was just out at this point. I was, um, I was like, man, it, I was like, it cannot go further down from it. I mean, it was the last song they played, to be fair. And you know what? It's important that I mention the crowd ate it up. But not literally. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, it, it very much seemed apparent that I was the odd one out in in, in terms of my yeah. dislike for Attila. The crowd were massively into it. Everyone was mosh pitting. Everyone was singing the lyrics back to uh, Franz when he was asking them to do the wow-wows and the hell yes. Fucking Franz. Like, he has a stage presence. He can, mate, it's worth mentioning, he can do really horrendous growls like the lows he can do are, are really quite impressive but it's just everything else that he does that just it just doesn't sit with me well at all they're not a band that i like to begin with so watching vial of maya I, I was there for vial of maya i wasn't there for attila but i was there and i thought no i am just gonna see it live and see if it can change my perspective and there were moments where i was really banging my head like this is this is actually pretty solid i like this but then they're just dropping this really like disenfranchising weird lyric, or they'd ask people to scissor each other's fingers, or Franz would ask you to throw your bra on stage. I was just like, man, th- this is so far out of my comfort zone. I'm just not into this at all. I'm gonna send you the song Pizza at oh, the end Lord. of this, and just so you can understand what it was, what it would have been like live. Yeah, again, to re- again to reiterate. I'm the odd one out here. Everyone else was loving it. It just wasn't for me. They were never my thing. So I was never going to come on here and say, oh, I said they were brilliant because they do this and they do that because they're not for me. But seeing them live for the first time did absolutely nothing to convince me that this is a band that is worth me putting my time or effort into. I think that's probably very fair to say. Uh, greatest metal album of all time, this Sam. Uh, we haven't done this for oh, yeah. a few weeks, so I'm going to let you take the reins. Oh, fantastic. So, <clears throat> with this one, we're going to be finishing off a, a category. So, we're going to be going from 38 to 33. This is the, the last category before we essentially get to the top 30 metal albums of all time and then the top 20. So, when we work in the new year, we'll be really in the, the real meat and bones of the, the greatest metal. It's essentially the albums that I first thought of <laughs> and then, uh, before I had to start filling things out and stuff like that. So, because uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six to to sort of uh, race through. I'm gonna sort of a whistle stop tour, and we'll sort of have a chat about them as we go along. Uh, the first one is an album called "Among the Living" by Anthrax. Um, this is this is the great Anthrax album. You know what I mean? Like from the from the 1986 sort of uh, class of of you know Rainy Blood and Master Puppets and, and all this sort of stuff. This is this is the Anthrax album that really really pushed them push them forward uh it, it, it's 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 fantastic if you like if you like anthrax i think it's one of the more influential thrash thrash albums sort of like uh, songs like i am the law is fantastic and things like that and it, it's just one of the 
the most well-known and really and really sort of thrust Anthrax into this thrash and really confer thrash music scene and really confirmed there was one of the the big metal bands of the big four and really sort of cemented them as a big four band back when people used to say oh no it should be exodus really after this album sort of anthrax really really cemented themselves the next one is judas priest screaming for vengeance um british steel is higher than this and it's more well known but by and large um this is probably their best one I think their most complete album for Judas Priest. Uh, it's the one that took the longest to write. Uh, it's got Electric Eye and another thing. You've got another thing coming on here. Um, Devil's Child, Pain and Pleasure, um, which has like the trademark dual guitar stuff that, that Judas Priest really did better than a lot of bands, barring you know your Iron Maidens and Metallicas and things like that during that sort of thing. And it, it's just a terrific classic metal album um, that once again like like with anthrax and and um really sort of cemented judas priest one of the gods of the metal world the next album chris an album that i want you to just listen to a song of at some point in your life um it's by the band halloween have you heard of the band halloween chris i've heard the name but in terms of reference i couldn't actually give you any all right they um this is uh, waiting for sarcastic comments here, I guess. But uh, wait, this is the greatest power metal album of all time. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a real tough uh, march between this Keeper of the Seven Keys two and whatever Dragon Force album came out. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's it is legitimately like a cult classic. Um, if you just Google Halloween, as I did a few days ago, as I was preparing for this. You've got articles upon articles of people that have like waxed lyrical about how influential this was and really sort of led them down the power metal world and sort of that style of music. And it's it's one of the most well-known sort of dual guitar operatic prog metal type albums. And the fact that that, that came out, um, it was it was one of their first albums that came out and had the part one without even finding out whether the record label would give them permission to do a part two. Uh, might Shit. be one of my yeah, might be one of my favourite ballsy movements <laughs> in in sort of in sort of metal music history, but it is t- it is terrific for its genre, and it's the thirty sixth best metal album of all time because it is so incredibly influential and it really spawned and cemented an entire genre pretty much unto itself. Um, so I had to include it here, and this is the highest I could really have it. In fairness, the next one by a little known band called Slayer. Uh, is Slayer Show No Mercy. Oh boy. Um, which um, which I believe is their first album. Yes, I believe uh, it is. And really, obviously, yeah, from 1983, just made sure. Um, this is the album that, that got them signed. They were performing this live because they, they, they were covering Iron Maiden <laughs> and they were signed uh, in 1983. Um, I... I if there's a video of that, I want to see the Slayer cover of Iron Maiden from 1983. I need to see that in my life. Um, but really, uh, songs like Die by the Sword and Black Magic are, are Slayer classics even now. I think Black Magic, Black Magic is my favourite Slayer album. Uh, hearing that in 1983 must have been fucking terrifying. Yeah. Some of the riffs and the speed of some of the songs that they just came out with. And then following this with Hella White and then Rain in Blood. It's just, it just kicks off one of the most successful and really great runs in thrash metal history and obviously i think metallica coined thrash metal with kill em all which came out a little bit earlier but really slayer started to really 
perfect the blueprint with Shown Our Mercy, and I think it speaks for itself. It's Slayer's fucking debut album, dude, so uh, it's got to be in there. Uh, the next up um, from Rob Trujillo, uh, Suicidal Tendencies self-titled opening album, Suicidal Tendencies, um, which is and 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 it's 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 called Thrash Funk, um, which which I, I'm not too sure was ever a genre um, before or even since. Um, because it's it's sort of thrash skater metal, if possible, but with like really, really, really funky bass lines. It's got like a a Metallica crossed Faith No More crossed Red Hot Chili Peppers type of vibe. And again, was incredibly influential for an entire genre of music outside of the the more more mainstream thrash metal scene, if 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 such a thing is possible. Um, again, uh, another incredibly influential and politicized album that has, has since led to a lot of bands that really have, have you could you could argue has probably led us down the road if you likes of Rage Against the Machine and Fever 333. Um, Suicide is one of the first forefathers of that type of music where you're mixing like funk and bass notes with like darker heavy metal. Um, that really wasn't going on at all. So this is an incredibly influential album for that. So if it wasn't for these sort of albums, we wouldn't have the genres that we do today in such variety. The final one um uh, number 33 and the final cat- final one of the category of if it wasn't for this metal wouldn't be this is the band rainbow with the album rainbow rising uh this is ronnie james dio uh cozy powell and richie blackmore all on one album so just to clarify that's one of the greatest rock drummers of all time with deep purple's guitarist and black sabbath and dio's vocalist on one album okay then which yeah, which in like 1975 is the equivalent of like the Harlem Globetrotters for heavy metal. Do you know what I mean? So um, putting those together was was just incredible. Adia was fairly not well known, not really well known at that point, but the album itself took off massively and simultaneously rescued both Deep Purple's career and um, Black Sabbath's career because Dio ended up rescuing Sabbath after their Ozzy Osbourne malaise because he was just a mess. And also, um, Richie Blackmore then went back to, to Deep Purple and the popularity of Rainbow kept the careers going of two of Heavy Metal's greatest bands, an album without... And then the album is terrific in its own right, a really classically great Heavy Metal album. So it did, absolutely deserves its span in here. Um, are you excited about the next category, which is the top 32 albums? It goes from 32 to 20, which is the generation-defining albums. And then we have our top 19 which is the top 20, with a Mount Rushmore at the end from four to one. I cannot wait for it, Matt, honestly. Um, I think that when I'm looking forward to getting to that top 20 so we can do like specific segments on each album, yes. and then when we get to top 10, we'll do specific episodes on each album. It's going to be really special. You've done That's... such a terrific job of this and getting it down to the top 32 now. I can't wait <laughs> till next year so we can... Um... So we can get that get that list going and all. I'm really I've got I've got no idea what comes. I I've, I think I know what's going to be number one, but I, I, in terms of the layout of formula of what comes from here, I've got no idea. It's going to be a surprise to me yeah. as much as the people at home. We're thing. we're now in like the pantheon, so to speak, of heavy metal. This the top thirty two. Every album you're like yeah, like I understand. It's, it's, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's get it's getting to it's getting to the point now where you're like you've I've really narrowed it down and I I don't have to. Before, where I was justifying my decision, why I'd put, like, this random band at 67. I'm like, you have to understand the history and the genre and the effect that it had and what people are saying about it at the time and how long it's lasted and, you know, that sort of stuff. Some of the albums on here, like, 
I will just say this album. You'll be like, yes, that is one of the top thirty greatest metal albums of all time. And that's that going to be a great conversation. Yes. Very excited. So, final album review of the year, Sam. Indeed. And what an album to have chosen. This is a bit of a storm. This has. This is an album called Sundowning by a band called Sleep Token. I'm going to preface this by reading out excerpts from a Metal Hammer article posted about two and a half years ago. Um, And this is how I first heard of the name Sleep Token. Sleep Token are a band that they worship a, a deity called Sleep. And Metal Hammer had like this interview with the vocalist who calls himself Vessel. So I'm going to read out some of the questions. I'm going to read out some of his answers just so you can... Just so the people at home get an idea of just how unique and interesting this band are. So the question. What is the story behind Sleep Token? How we got here is as irrelevant as who we are. What matters is the music and the message. We are here to serve Sleep and project his message. Who is Sleep? How did an ancient deity find himself in the UK music scene? He's everywhere at all times. Vessel encountered Sleep in a dream with promise of glory and magnificence if Vessel followed him. The UK is old. Centuries of law lie buried here. This land has power. If only you knew how to use it. Then they asked. Then they asked, uh, what is the meaning behind the markings on your masks? They all wear masks. Uh, It's an acronym of sleep token that reads as ST in ancient ruin, in ancient runes. Why do you all wish to remain anonymous? Our identities are unimportant. Music is marketed on who or who is or isn't in a band. It's pushed, prodded and moulded into something it isn't. Vessel endeavours to keep the focus on his offerings. So that's kind of a taste of people in terms of how different and unique this band are. Album's called Sundowning. It's out on Friday. Sam, have you ever heard anything like this album before? Not even in, not even in the slightest, no. I think this album is absolutely fucking phenomenal. <laughs> so do I. It is. This album is just brilliant. It's, mate, we're going to try and describe this album now for people listening at home. And I just do not know how we're going to manage this. How do you describe this? This is dark, electro, pop, alternative, meshed together in this product that is honestly spellbinding like i have taken this band and i have got people at work to and i've been like you've got to listen to this band and these people at work have no interest in alternative music by the way i'm like you've got to listen to this band like you you won't believe this and i've played them songs from from this album and they've gone Wow, yeah, this is like I've never. This is really unique and special. Never heard anything like this. Gonna pass over to you before I jump back in again. Tell me what you're thinking of this. Um, this is this is blowing me away. Uh, this is blowing me away, and I don't want anybody listening to this hearing your introduction thinking this is like, like a weird folk style religious type album where it's, where there's like propaganda and me- it's it's not like that at all. They have a set of beliefs. Cool. And the music might be a reflection of that. But really it isn't. 
Um, they have a set of beliefs and the music appears to be sort of levitating separately, um, sort of above it and beyond it. What I would describe this as is both everything you've ever heard mixed together and nothing you've ever heard mixed together. It, there, are, there are points where I can pick snippets and relate it to certain stuff. Um, like there's, 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 there's bits that remind me of, and, and I mean this, any, everything from like, there's bits where I hear like the fray and the script in terms of the piano stylings, and then I'll go as far as hearing like Don Brocco style vocals, but then also I hear a bit of Bring Me the Horizon and a bit of North Lane, uh, a bit of Tool in terms of the mix of electronics and bass notes and things like that. A whole variety of stuff. Um, I wouldn't even recommend this as a fan of metal. I wouldn't recommend this as a fan of pop. I would just recommend this as anybody who likes music. Yeah. Um, because it, it is transcendent of at times completely transcendent of genre um it is not fit to be placed into a box or a category uh, it is it is literally created from start to finish as a um living breathing organism and and, and collection of sounds rather than stuff that we would just consider like standard musical notes and structure and breakdowns now I'm not saying that the songs themselves, I mean, like, you're not going to, I don't want to set you up and think people listen to this thinking they're going to expect to hear something in like 39 timing and it's like 25 minutes long and, and there's like, it's not like that. The songs have structure, easy to follow structure. There are some songs on here that are pop songs. Yeah, legitimately. And, and there are some songs on here that are post-hardcore breakdown level songs. Yeah. And they mold together and they both follow their various structures like, um, but at the same time, there's a depth here, like we spoke about with the Menzigas, but much, much deeper. There's like a, there's a, there's a real, real depth of emotional weight and lyrical content. And just this is aside from perhaps tool that sounds like uh, a Mozart painting or something, not Mozart, sorry, like a, a Picasso or something like that. This is perhaps the most thoughtful and meticulously recorded and placed together album i've heard in a long time um where you can conceit you can quite easily tell that every single note drum beat sound has been poured over with the utmost care and attention it sounds like you are listening to something that someone's written it's hard to even describe a, a comparison sort of like when something was poured over something when you're watching a scorsese film perhaps and you can tell that every or a Stanley Kubrick film that you can tell that every every moment, however uncomfortable, is deliberately designed and and catered to that. Um, before I let you back in, I want to talk about the song Levitate, Chris. I wanted you to take the reins on Levitate after what you messaged me. The floor is yours. Um, because I, I've never heard I've never heard a song that's that's grabbed me like this that sounds like this. Um, this is. On its on its on its on its surface, if I described it to you as a piano-driven pop song that sounds a, that you know that has emotion and weight, you think, well, yeah, well, I listen to ten of ten to fifteen of those yeah. every year, because you know anyone from Adele to Sam Smith writes songs that have that. Ed Sheeran's really good at it as well. Slow piano-led songs that strike a massive chord. This, and I can't tell. I can't say that I know this for fact, and I can't tell that I know this. Um, um, to be true, but I listened to this and I felt not just sympathy, 
with the singer and the lyrics that he describes. He talks about clearly he talks about someone that has died in his life yeah, yeah. and that has levitated above and that he can't follow them and stuff like that. At no point, and with some pop songs, it does feel disingenuous and it does feel like, oh, you've just touched on an emotion and a feeling that you're trying to convey to an audience. I genuinely heard this and there was like an ache that I yeah. felt. It was like this person, it, it really did feel like I was listening to someone sing after that person had died immediately after. It was like like a like a gripping scene from a film like or like like one of those really emotionally torturous scenes from like Grey's Anatomy where it's like it's you're hopelessly sad um but at the same time it's so so beautiful yeah that chorus it, it's so beautiful the way that it slowly builds and combines the orchestral voices behind with the piano there's an obvious vulnerability in his voice but at the same time he blends this with this power that builds up. And then at the end, to have this like ethereal type guitar tone with the drums. And by the way, the drummer's incredible. Yes, Incredible. He is. There's this, and not in an obviously thrashy kind of way, but there's some little fills and changes of hi-hats here that are just marvellous. He supports yeah, everything brilliantly, doesn't he? He really does. Fills in the gaps delightfully. This song, I think, is the best song I've heard this year. And has as much emotional weight as any song I've heard for a very, very long time. And it's, and, and it, it doesn't even need context. You don't need to listen to this. And you know, when you listen to certain songs and like someone taps you on the shoulder and says, well, actually this is what happened. And like, it takes you to a new perspective and you don't need that. This song grabs you almost immediately. It's, it's so, it's so powerful. And and that adjective, powerful, is how I would describe this entire album. I don't know what box I'd put it in. I don't think if you can do that. Um, but it, it feels like a working muscle of real power and and weight and depth. And I can't really describe it, but it physically feels like you're sort of being grabbed by some of this music. And there's a thumping heartbeat that goes through it. There's so much here that I can't, that I can't quite really grasp and it, it's it's i'm going to use a bruce springsteen quote at the end of here it, 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 music's a little bit like sex you're not are, are you able to describe it are you even meant to and it's the same thing here music's something you feel as much as you hear and that's why certain people have certain reactions to certain songs it's 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 as random as as sort of snowflakes or drops in the ocean and i think that's here the i listen to this album and i feel i don't just hear i feel uh, and and that is honestly from from a person that listens to music all the time and listens to a lot of stuff all the time and sometimes listening to music can sadly feel like a chore like a job almost yeah um not that i don't love what we do but obviously but sometimes it does and this did this was an experience that transcended the simple act of pressing play on an album um and that's that's the that's the biggest compliment i can give it i think I want everyone I've ever met to listen to this album. Yeah. Because uh, this album knows no bounds. This album is for every single person that walks planet Earth. I, 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 I legitimately mean that. Like, I think you could play Give to the most hardened metal fan that exists. And at the very least, they would say cannot argue with his voice or 
you could play Dark Signs to the most hardened uh, tech or house head that you that you could find, and they would at least say, you know what, I'd love to took that vocal mix and dropped it over the top of like a house beat or or something like that. Like this album yeah. is so is so multi pronged that, it, like you said, putting it into a box. It is legitimately impossible. It cannot be done. It's, it's almost the, insulting, yeah. The, one of the cool things to point out about this album is that actually Sleep Token have been releasing songs from it every Friday in the run-up to the album. So it's like each song has been released because each song is meant to be an experience of its own and you very, very much feel that when you listen to the album even though each song is meant to be listened to individually because it's got its own story to tell. When you listen to this album as a whole, you feel that each song has meaning zero filler, has been, as you mentioned, agonised over. This is an album that takes you on a journey that I, I, I cannot like describe to you you know whether you have uh, lost someone that you love or been through a horrendously difficult time or are going through a horrendously difficult time there's something about the emotional weight of this album that you will just be magnetized to i listened to this album and i was playing fifa at the time and usually whenever i'm listening to an album playing fifa really it's just background noise because obviously i'm concentrating i was not caught i, I press pause I, I just yeah. the second the night does not belong to god played I just pressed pause and I was just listening to the album. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is amazing!" And I thought, I okay. did that. And I was like, oh, "Okay, well, maybe the first song was like, you know, it peaks at the first song, but then the offering starts and that like really weird like tech beat intro yes. comes on. But then it's got that really like sweet to sugar chorus. And I was like, and then levitates third. <laughs> and uh, I, I like, know. I was I like, know. oh my god, this is. I was like, this is um, this is like it's a masterpiece." Oh, unbelievably i can't how the fuck can i describe this how good this album is you know it's so good that i was i've been taking it to people that i work with that have no interest in alternative music it's been like i've been because on because all the 11 of the singles are out on youtube i was like you've got to listen to this listen to this with me and tell me what you think and everyone has been like wow that's amazing like i've not really heard anything i've never encountered anything like this and that's probably the best way i could describe sleep token you won't have encountered anything like them before this album it is a really, really special marker moment in time. And I wasn't 100% certain whether the album would fit on this podcast until I actually listened to it because I knew that Sleep Token were very much... They're an alternative band, but they're not metal or anything like what we've reviewed this year so before i actually listened to the album i was like oh, i'm not sure whether i'm making a mistake throwing this in as the album review but the second i listened to it i was like no this is just music that can be anyone can appreciate this yeah great music is great music yeah th this is an art piece that just cannot be described it has to be listened to slash as you mentioned felt i, I can't believe how good this album is um I love how really weird and different the band are. Some people might be turned off by that, I would understand. But for the in general, for me, 
this is just an astonishing piece of musicianship from start to finish. The vocal performance from Vessel is astonishing, like uh, breathtaking. Like his range is like unquantifiably good. And... Uh, yeah, uh, he's the only person that I've ever been able to legitimately compare to Spencer out of periphery. Yeah, oh, you know what, mate? I was literally just about to say that. The only um, person ever. Yeah. The, me and you have always been... The second we started listening to Periphery and then we saw them live, me and you have always been like, Spencer's the best vocalist going regardless. Um, Vessel's Vessel's next to him. Yeah, he's, he's in that tier. He's joined him. And this might sound like a strange way to finish a review, especially because it's the last one of the year. I don't want to tell people why they should listen to this. You've got to just go and experience it for yourself. It's kind of like your Tarantino or Scorsese movies. The nuance of me telling you the ins and outs of why it's great mean nothing to you. You must just go and listen to all. And, and it's almost it. Yeah, it's almost an insult to the album to just hear it secondhand from me or you. We don't yeah. do it just. We're not doing it justice. No, you have to go and listen to this album to experience what it portrays. This is genius beyond genius. Um, and just to finish off, it's through an absolute wrench in the works of my top five, mate. Um, it's it hasn't it hasn't for me because it's it's made don't this way it's made things certainly a little bit it, it was quite easy to make room for it the more I right. thought about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was looking back over my list thinking there's no way I, just because I've heard that for four months longer there's no way that's a better album is why I've thought to myself. Because that album didn't make me feel like this album has. Because it just hasn't. I'm still not set on my top five. Um, I'm playing around with it daily. And, and I need to pack it in and just be, and just decide on one. Uh, <laughs> regardless, this album is simply genius. Yeah, that's fair to say. Final album review of the year was Sunday by Sleep Token. It's out on Friday. Although, to be fair... 11 of the songs are already out on Spotify, uh, YouTube right now. So you can go and listen to the album pretty much in its entirety right now. And you, and you must. Um, on Spotify, it's, the album titles Drag Me Under. Is that, that something that you noticed? Uh, that's because the last song, the latest song to be released is called Drag Me Under. I see, as it's so, just taken on the name of the last single. Yeah, so it takes on the name of the last single. Like It was Say That You Will before okay. Drag Me Under was released. So if you go on Spotify, type in Sleep Token, it's Drag Me Under that you'll need to, that'll be the album. But once sun, once the album is released in its entirety on Friday, you'll see it as sundowning. Um, you, anyone listening to this podcast, I'm going to tell my sisters about this album, I'm going to tell my brother about this album, my parents. If you like music, you must listen to this album. It's, it's breathtaking. Sam, that closes out the Noise podcast for the year. Uh, what a year it's been. Man, 2019, I think, has been incredible. I, it might be biased we've just left it, but this is, the, I think, the best year we've, 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 we've had doing this sort of thing. And I think I closing it with the album of the year stuff is going to be another, uh, another sort of evidence of, of that. that I, think, I think it's just been terrific. It's been a pleasure. Cannot thank you enough or the people that have listened to us enough. Uh, it's meant a lot to us to actually have an audience that we can see... Um, like kind of like coming up to us when we see them and telling them that they enjoy the podcast and that kind of stuff and reacting to stuff and rec asking us to review certain things 
uh, it, it's been amazing. Uh, I've loved every second of it, and I am really looking forward to doing the album of the year show uh, in Cardiff, which we're going to, uh, at the very least, look to release before the end of the year. And I will do my absolute utmost to make sure it's on YouTube before the end of the year. That closes out the Noise Podcast for 2019. We will be back doing the normal podcast setup at the start of 2020. We've got an album of the year show coming, most likely mid to late December. Every single person that's listened, thank you so much. Uh, it's meant an incredible amount to me and Sam. We can't wait to get things back up started again in 2020. And we're looking forward to seeing you when we record the Album of the Year show. Thanks for listening yet again. We'll be back in 2020 and we'll see you in two or three weeks to do the Album of the Year show. We love you. Bye. <laughs>